Yeah. All right, cool. I was uh I was looking at how to say this kid's name, um Silas, uh Silas Short. I just checked him out. Uh, you should check him out. He's crazy dope. Um, this kid is uh he's a singer. Um, <laughs> I heard a com- I read a comment that said, um, I heard a mumble rap, and I guess this is like mumble soul. And so like, but it's dope. I don't know what he's saying. I, I kind of agree with that comment. That's why I said it. But I mean, his his voice is crazy. And, and some of the, the production on some of the songs is just like, wow, it's out there. So... So yeah, um, just kicking that off with that. Um, you should definitely check that out. Recording awesome. in progress. Yeah, man. But how you been? Good. Cool. Good. cool yeah, cool. just looking forward to, you know, sitting down with you and the notes he sent out. Where I'm like, man, this guy. <laughs> I appreciate they, that. I don't know if why you... they paid. This is why they paid the big bucks and give you the, <laughs> the, all the awards. That's like, funny. Moly. That is funny. Um, I I don't know about that, but uh. <laughs> Yeah, I do get paid notes, the big bucks. Notes are fire. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate oh, that. I, like, I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, a lot of thought goes into the show. Um, uh, a lot of uh, care. And, you know, I, I have to say that all the time because it's like, I feel like, you know, I mean, the quarantine kind of spiraled a lot of like podcasts, a lot of radio, a lot of people talking, talking out into the the, the blogosphere, right? Mm-hmm. And um and I just wanted to, I, I want to always separate myself from that because I've been doing this since college. It's not like it's a new project or like mm-hmm. I, I just picked this up and like, I was like, oh, I should do it. I should try it. Like I, I, I've done this for a while. I know it goes into it. There's a lot of work that goes into it that people don't see. Um, and I think that kind of separates, uh, separates shows too. So I don't know, but, um, but I appreciate you appreciating, uh, the notes, um, <laughs> because I, I mean, you, you talked about it, uh, last episode where we were on and, um, we, we got into it about, well, we got into it about a lot of stuff, but one of the things that we kind of brushed over was some of your recent grabs, which was yes. uh, public enemy and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and those records are super important to like hip hop music in general. So I wanted to make sure we covered that. I, I, I know that like you saw that, Definitely. that public enemy note. Um, and, and that's such a critical, like Fear of a Black Planet is such a pivotal record uh, for hip hop and conscious hip hop. It goes on to kind of create the template for like how you do that music um, and sell with that music. Uh, Talib, Kweli, Most Def, all of those guys kind of follow that that mold if you will um so yeah i mean i don't know um i don't know if you want to get into the show if you want to talk a little bit before we get into it i don't know so no and you know the only thing i i I would say is how are you man what's what's going on with you i know your life is upside down not not just not just about podcasting and creating content i know it's a big part of it but i know for everyone out there they you know they want to you know they want to know about you too yeah yeah and it's 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 going things are getting better with uh with the family uh i didn't really divulge too much into uh why i took a a month off 
um, last month. But yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I, I appreciate you asking, bro. Like that really means a lot to me uh, that you ask. And um, and with that, I, I think I'm. We're gonna go ahead and get into the show, man. So, uh, with that, um, welcome to the Record Spinner Podcast. I'm here with the co-host Ryan Claren. We're here today, chopping it up. This episode, we're gonna get into um, some vinyl, uh, some some vinyl reviews, I guess. Uh, talking a little bit about some of the records that we recently got, um, recently copped, and um, just kind of reviewing them a little bit. And so, uh, so this show, yeah, we're just gonna be chatting a little bit about that. Uh, super informal show. It's not gonna be like you know um, about anything super uh, topic heavy or or technical heavy. Um, so Ryan, I, I got to start off the show by saying, how are you, man? And, and how have you been doing? Uh, doing great. Um, you know, the actual, uh, uh, I had a chance to recently shop for some vinyl this past week from Sweet. the local. Um, but other than that, it's been a while. Um, as, as you and a lot of listeners know, um, I'm really a big fan of that vinyl me please description. Yeah. 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 Um, we're going to talk about worked, that. Today. It's actually worked out so well in addition to this how much good stuff they've had but you know life is life is crazy you don't necessarily yeah. you know i'm at an age and just kind of a place with my family where i can't just be heading out to the record store heading to the city all the time you know, yeah chill at the store for an hour two hour three hours kind of thing like yeah. you could back in the day um so you know you can definitely tell when you're getting old where it's like you know you've got like a vinyl subscription and and when that day of the month when it comes in you're just like ah you get so happy yeah uh, man yeah <laughs> my man little ray, my little ray of vinyl sunshine uh happened in the month um so from a vinyl perspective that's um that's been just awesome but i did have a chance to recently stop by the local uh this past week and and that was just nice um just to kind of be in that you know experience for sure Sweet, sweet. That's awesome. Uh, you've been a big advocate. I've been a big advocate of Vinyl Me Please. Uh, I know that the last episode we did, I talked a little bit about algorithms, and some people messaged me and was like, "Yo, like, like, what is your issue with like, like the whole?" Uh, I, at first, I gotta say, I have no issue with Vinyl Me Please and mm-hmm. and curators in general. I I'm not a curator. This is not a curation show, right? Like, this is not me saying, "Hey, I know what's best for you." I, I I'm. I gotta start with that. Yeah, I we're not, like. We're not trying to sell anyone. Yeah, anything. yeah. I I like everyone else out there. Am a consumer. I am consuming this stuff. I'm not a curator. But what I was saying was a lot of the um, the listening uh, the listening curation uh, like YouTube music. I use that heavy. Um, Spotify is a big one. Uh, there's a lot of other ones. Apple Music now has like kind of a a, a, a streaming sort of platform even though they started out as just hey like you you select your artist you buy the music now they're sort of like telling you what to listen to and that's what i was saying that i had such a big deal about like Mm -hmm. i don't think that the algorithms are set up to give you if you're a three-dimensional person the best of the best i think it's it's sort of it's it stymies you a little bit Mm-hmm. Um, instead of giving you all the, the fullness of what you're what you're looking for that's all i was saying i wasn't saying that oh spotify is mm-hmm. trash or or apple music is trash none of that is trash all of it has a place um but it's it's not the fullness of your palate if you if you're a music fan that's all i was saying so i want to i want to just clarify that right here oh yeah and yeah 
from my perspective, no, you, that was clear to me. Now I'm on the other side looking at you and it's very easy to see <laughs> and hear your intent. Yeah. Um, but no, from my perspective, that was very clear that um, the streaming services themselves are, are wonderful services. Yes. Yes. Um, very, I mean, very much needed. Yeah. I'm, I'm a very, I'm a big fan and I use, um, you know, Spotify is my primary streaming service. And okay. I mean, that's a great avenue for me for like exploring, discovering new music. Um, I do use it as like, you know, we talked, one of the things that we had talked about was that just vinyl is so expensive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's no longer the day where you can just blindly shell out dough for and stuff. hope it like hope, you know, every once in a while, like based on like a recommendation from a good, from a close friend yep. or someone that I trust online. Um, I'll do the, I'll do the blind the, vinyl. Purchase. Yeah, I was going to say the blind vinyl purchase. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But oh, that's not often, always. Yeah. But more often than not, you know, I really am trying to be more conscientious of how I spend my dollars from a vinyl perspective because mm -hmm. I'm running out of space to be very honest with you. <laughs> That's interesting. I don't, I don't, I don't really, I don't want to sell anything. So if I don't want to sell anything, like you have, you have to, I have to sacrifice something. Yeah. So I, I, I've, um, I'm trying to be more picky about what I'm kind of bringing to the house in essence. And like the streaming services like Spotify are just are great for that purpose. Amazing. To kind of go into your old algorithm thing. Um, I really don't utilize the kind of algorithm playlist recommended features mm -hmm. that are offered through Spotify. Um, you know, I think my usage of Spotify is, you know, I'm trying to check something out either pre-purchase or if someone recommends something for me to check out mm -hmm. and I don't have physical access to it then at least i can share in that music listening experience with them through yeah. like a spotify and just like stream it and just be able to like comment on it and kind of share in that listening experience i guess it's totally great for that it's totally great for that um i just told you about mr short who um who i who i recently checked out through youtube music and i'm a fan now like i'm a fan and that happened strictly through me allowing a computer to be like Hey, like you listen to this song, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you like another artist that's similar to this. And of course, I had to skip a few times for other artists. But then when I got to this one song, it was called Rooms. I, su I strongly suggest people to check that out. It, it's a it's a beautiful song. Uh, again, I don't know what the kid's saying, but I mean, <laughs> just just beautiful. Um, but yeah, I I, I just I want to kind of nail down right here that like I'm not opposed to streaming platforms at all. Um, especially with vinyl, because it, like you've said, like uh, I had Bruce on the show and he talked about how expensive vinyl is. It's not a cheap hobby. Like, I don't want people out there going to buy stuff that they don't like. I don't want people going out there and buying stuff that they don't know anything about because they may not like it. Um, what I want is for people to, to take a recommendation and, and trust a recommendation um, from a human uh, and, and the machines sometimes, but the machines have to be you have to understand that the machines are the are machines they're not humans they're, they they're they're giving you suggestions based off of what you last listened to um and i think everyone knows that it's not like a secret right um so i digress on that it's just i wanted to make sure people knew that because i got a little bit of a flag okay. for that from some people <laughs> and, and again like I, I i'm not a hater of like yeah. apple music and and spotify these places are awesome 
um in a previous life i wish that i could work for them right but you know <laughs> whatever i, I you know yeah. I, i'll give up on that but ryan i got an interesting story to tell you before we get into the show i wrote this up in the notes and i forgot to send this to you so i go i'm going to print some stuff i recently got a new job i'm going to print some stuff um uh, at a coffee shop near my house and or near my apartment and, um, I, and I go into this place, and uh, the printer's downstairs. It's a coffee shop, right? But the printer's downstairs. And it's it's like three blocks from my house. It's literally like I could throw a rock and hit it right now. Um, so I go downstairs, and I, and I check it out, and I see that they have records downstairs. And I'm like, whoa, like, this is crazy, because it's not an official record store. It's just, I guess they're just, like, setting up, like, a, right. a, a potential record store. And, and that made me think. It's like, yo, is vinyl really about to emerge as it was in its heyday and i just mm. want your opinion on that i know we've talked briefly about it before in, in previous episodes but like do you think i mean because we all know about the vinyl resurgence it's been reported by everybody in the uk it's like a full-blown thing in the us mm. it's it's kind of a thing that's come back for a lot of older music fans uh jazz rock in particular um mm. but do you think it'll ever be like it was in like say the 60s and 70s um, there's from, you know, I think from a consumer perspective, mm -hmm. I think the, de the demand is high enough and it's been like this for long yeah. enough Yeah. or I think it's safe to say it, this is not a bubble or a fad that's going to yeah. burst Yeah. that there does seem to be some true, like potential, like long-term sustainability mm -hmm. minus one very crucial element uh -oh. the manufacturing and production side yeah, I, was, I knew <laughs> i knew you were going there yeah we talk about this all the time we're backed That's, up yeah yeah um uh you know yesterday i had just received um a pre-order I pre uh, so I pre-ordered it last year, September twenty fourth, two thousand twenty, because it it came in yesterday, and I was like, "Let me check my email. When was this again?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my goodness! I pre-ordered it September twenty fourth, two thousand twenty. Uh -huh. The original plan was that you would get it at the beginning of summer of two thousand twenty one. Okay, but COVID, Delays. COVID related, and just like world." production slowdown type stuff um this was through Interve intervention records okay. uh shane shane yeah. intervention shout outs to shane yeah he was awesome like he's given you like monthly updates i'm so sorry i'm so sorry um i understand if you want to you know if you want me to refund uh, to all his customers but for the most part the major like almost all the customers that pre-ordered this Mm -hmm. um this is uh uh the church the band is called the church yeah yeah i know them yeah um yeah little kind of a australian i guess pop indie rock group yeah yeah um, yeah so good... this is a, a starfish okay. one of their, their classic albums um but people were like yeah we're fine we're fine so they just started getting into people's hands this past week nice um totally worth the wait it's been a very long time since I've been this giddy or excited and just so happy that's all awesome. vinyl to come in but it, it took more than a year <laughs> you know what I mean yeah and so the average consumer is not yeah you know, I was just gonna say that I was just gonna say like chain chains customers through intervention and I think through any like smaller 
high quality reissue outfit mm-hmm. um, is going to have enough of a dedicated client base to be able to pay up front for pre-order and be able to wait it out yeah but your average consumer that's not that patient not gonna it's not gonna be able to not that patient yeah i was gonna say that may be the biggest hold the, the biggest drawback i think if you think about it um yeah we're dealing with uh extreme um wait times for for a lot of records um the floating points record that I that I, mm-hmm. I recommended um, the last time we talked, uh, I waited a long time. I waited so long; it was it was about six months. I waited a long time for that record to to get to me, and I kind of forgot that I'd even purchased it. So it was it was one of those situations. Um, yeah, I I just don't see general public, uh, and that's one of the drawbacks of physical music, I guess. Um, uh, m- less CDs and, and cassettes, but more so vinyl. Um, that's one of the major drawbacks is that it does. It's a process. It's not just a put the flack on on a disc and mm-hmm. and you're done. It's this is you know it, it's a it's a lot that goes into this as, as we've talked about before, and I don't see the general public being that patient. On yeah, that, unfortunately, even just like in the audiophile community. Um, you know, audiophiles can be really impatient. The worst, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not yeah. just vinyl, like yeah. not just like vinyl releases, but just like, you know, in terms of gear, yeah. gear updates, um, you know, manufacturing delays with like actual audio equipment. Mm-hmm. Audiophiles can be really finicky about that stuff. It's a tough crowd. Um, and it kind of it kind of carries over just the general audiophile community and crowd too. Um, and you know the only the solution to this is you know we need people to be willing to invest I don't know 100 200k mm. into producing some new mm. plants. Some mm. new yeah, I was gonna plants. say yeah that it's it's an easy solution, <laughs> but it's an expensive one, right? You know, yeah, because that's yeah. that's essentially what it is. Is now that the the vinyl resurgence is in full gear, and this is the pro this is another problem I see on the horizon, but I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, the the vinyl resurgence is here. It's it's been here since 07, 08, right? It's it's we've we, we've we're in the new millennium, and it's it, the new vinyl resurgence is here. Now, what we need is to meet consumer demands. We need those plants. We need more plants. Yeah. Uh, we have one in here in Virginia, um, right across uh, nice. the way here, and I think it's since it's in Alexandria or Springfield. Yeah. I can't recall, uh, but it's close to DC. Um, and I, I know that that's like one of the, the main ones here in the area. Um, but yeah, we do not have a lot of plants. We have very few, uh, pressing plants for all of these, um, vinyl that are now popular. I'm pretty, I think, I think in America, at least it's like six, I think. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely, you definitely only need like two hands to count. Yeah. Which if you think about maybe one even. I don't know. Yeah. If you think about the demand. That's just like that's absolutely insane. Yeah, I think another issue is to try to set up a plant from scratch in this current like environment. Like number one, you don't necessarily have the technical expertise. Yeah, right. Like who would you like if you and me wanted to yeah, come? Yeah. Like, like who would we even go to? Yeah, for technical expertise on like how to set up a plant. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I've pocketed a few contacts. Um, I know you have a few uh, few friends that are in that industry. 
um, I, I, have a, I have a literally like two cards of like some people who know some people here in the area and I'm reaching out to like those people and like, hey, like, would you want to be on the show to talk about, you know, how difficult it is to actually like do this work um, so far, you know, no hits. But I, I'm sure like, you know, they'll get around to it once they're, you know, caught up on, on yeah. press and records. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a tough it's a tough gig. And I mean, so my problem with that, though, is in essence, you know how fickle. Uh, consumers are we're we're here today gone tomorrow type people and i think the and i I think what people are seeing or or thinking um is that vinyl is just here as another trend essentially And, and i totally respect that i think that there isn't enough evidence even still with it being almost two decades now of the vinyl resurgence um uh for for the millennials and uh, gen zers uh it's still not enough evidence to show that like this is something serious that people are going to keep around for a long time and so i say that to say like you know we get maybe let's say we get 10 plants in the country within in the next five years and then you know 10 years later the 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 phase is out right and we're back to cds or we're back to digital like Uh then what happens you know like then there's you know then it's the opposite setup where it's like it's too much it's too much plants too many plants not enough consumers um so yeah it's it's a weird it's a toughie uh but uh it it, we'll we'll figure it out i'm sure so but uh but yeah man this show is going to be pretty cool uh i want to talk about some recent grabs uh that i've gotten uh and i'm super excited so i don't know if you want to take the reins and, and go for some of your recent grabs you talked about yeah some of the ones i mean that i've got i've got re- so recent grabs like i haven't even opened them up yet nice <laughs> nice <laughs> but i'm uh so I'll, I'll start the sharing process sweet oh yeah well so first off this one i did so this is the church oh yeah yeah Starfish. Uh, from intervention records very nice uh this is killer so this was originally released 1988 um and intervention uh shane from intervention records did an amazing job with that um so i um we had talked about reissues versus ogs Mm -hmm. um and we had talked about you know one of the some of the avenues like where an og kind of makes sense yeah yeah so for my local this is a, a band yola tengo oh snap and the album and then nothing turned itself inside out uh this past week went to the local on the wall he had this he had just put it up very nice Or, um but og I was 2000. nice so that I... late 90s early 2000s og vinyl okay i i definitely will snag up because the reissue stuff that is there is there it's kind of sketchy especially for that day um, yeah that time yeah that time so frame. mid late 90s early 2000s og um but 40 bucks for Sweet. og Sweet. 2000 um in really great condition um what else did i get um this is from that same trip uh tv on the radio nice nice awesome EP. awesome group awesome yeah this group. is the and then uh i remember listening to this ep um and what is this i'm trying to check the year i was gonna this ask early 2000s i was yeah, gonna say 2007 early. or 2000 yeah yeah this was like 2003 like 2003. this was their ep before they got big 
But I remember listening to this and being like, oh, these guys are awesome. There's a there's a song I like off that EP. I can't think about it right now. Um, shoot. Yeah, yeah, the big one was Young Liars, but they got Satellite. Sat- was it Satellite? No, it wasn't yeah. Satellite. It wasn't Satellite. But this four-track EP is awesome. If anything, I kind of like the EP better than any than the, of their than the record. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are a few records like that out there for me, too, so for sure. Yeah, uh, I haven't even opened this up yet. Cayman, uh, this is uh, the Wild Chupitulas. Nice. It's kind of like a a New Orleans like funk Mardi Gras indigenous Native American type group. Okay. But they're backed up by the Meters. Uh, the Meters is that funk soul group. The uh, Vinyl Me Please. They've got a Meters album coming up in a couple of months that I'm really excited about. Very nice. Um, but I'm a sucker for the for the hype stickers. Yeah. When I see sourced from the original master tapes, bing, bing, bing. Yeah. <laughs> audiophile vinyl pressed at RTI, one of my favorite pressing plants out in California. Sweet. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> like, you're just, you're just checking in the boxes. And But before I purchased this, I did a quick stream on my Spotify. Mm. And like two, three tracks in, I'm like, this is actually really cool. That's how it be. So that just kind of brings it back to like, you know, even though I am a vinyl lover, I, I, you know, I utilize my streaming service, you know, like it, it all kind of comes together. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely cheat codes for us, I think. And and not even saying that in a bad way. I, I did a whole episode on that where it was like, you know, like, I think we as diggers now have it way easier than diggers in like the 60s and 70s. And again, that's no shot at us. Like that's nothing that's like it's just technology is here. It's it's for us to utilize. But I think when we go into record stores, one of the things in when we order online, one of the things that we are really adamant about is making sure that we like the sound, making sure that we check it out. And so as the sound table in all record stores, mm-hmm. and they still have them here in D.C., I'm sure they still have them in Chicago mm-hmm. where you go check out the vinyl if it's open, mm-hmm. you know, those stations are needed still, but not as much because we can what we can do is just pull up on our phones. Oh, mm-hmm. check out this record. And I, I'm guilty of this. When I first started digging, I mean, I utilize the tables now more or less. But, you know, when I first started, of course, when I went into a record store, I had my headphones in already. So I was like, you know, half listening to what the what the record store had on and half listening to whatever I was listening to. And if there was something I didn't know but looked interesting, I would be like, OK, let me check this out. And then I would check it out on my phone and I'll be like, all right, that's a grab. Cool. Mm-hmm. And so it's a major cheat code. But, you know, what you going to do about it? It's, it's here to stay, you know, <laughs> so yeah yeah and that that, that was my that was my excursion all right what you got sweet sweet i got a whole bunch of good stuff uh and you know i want to say before i get into my piece uh, i meant to say this at the top so i'm really sorry but uh rest in peace to uh mr lonnie smith um Mm. jazz giant um we lost a few uh i also want to say rest in peace to um to melvin van peebles huge huge inspiration for me and music um, I heard of him through Madlib, of course, and Madlib samples and how he utilized his uh, Brayer Soul uh, records and and even, uh, you know, uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass songs, some of his samples there. So, like, rest in peace to those brothers. Um, they are now ancestors. So I want to just say that before I get into my piece. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's do this one first, actually, because, you know, uh, Jack Wilson, and this comes courtesy of uh, of Bruce 
Bruce Phillips, who I interviewed um, last episode, uh, he hit me to uh, this Jack Wilson record. And Jack Wilson, fun fact, was the pianist on that Katanga record. And yeah. so when I heard that, I was Perfect. like, okay, word. This is, but this is from his late 70s stuff. Um, really dope stuff. Uh, really beautiful music on this record. Um, it came out, I think it's, uh, it was done in 77. Um, it's, uh, it's a quartet of four pieces of music on it. So it's really dope. Uh, he, uh, Jack Wilson's on the keyboards, Alan Jackson on bass, Clarence Johnston on the drums, and Joe Clayton on percussion. Uh, really dope piece of music here. I definitely encourage um, those who care to check it out. Ooh, my next piece um, will be the legendary Bud Powell, yeah. and this is um, this is Inner Fire. Inner Fires awesome. here. This is this is super dope. This is an OG from 1982. Uh, I got this from HR Records a while back, um, but I've been recently spinning it, so that's why it's a it's a recent grab for me. Um, because I, I put it away and it was covered up and everything. And I was like, yo, what, where did I get this cover? And, and the cover is freaky, right? Like the cover is kind of creepy and everything. Yeah. But like, I was like, where did I get this? And I was like, oh yeah, I got this 8 HR that one time <laughs> I went over there. And uh, I was like, okay, cool, let me put it on. And it's like classic bop, super crazy. Yeah. This is him and Charles Mingus and, uh, and Roy Haynes. So like, this is, oh, you're talking about incredible. three heavyweights, like literally like oh, three yeah. heavyweights. And then on top of that, this is a uh, this was recorded at a at a DC jazz club, um, and it's called Coven Covacos, I think. And it's no longer uh, a jazz club here. I think it's actually like a apartment building over here on H Street. It was right over here, right next to like the the street across from where I, my apartment is is where this was recorded at. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then of course, got some soul. Uh, been thinking about my, my family lately being back and forth between you know home and, and everything and who better to kind of you know oh, who better nice to one. who better to do it than my yeah, man nice Sam one. Cook now Sam Cook I mean, let's say first of all Bud Powell had a birthday recently I think it was a few days ago I think it was the 26th uh, so happy birthday to the ancestor Bud Powell but Sam Cook also just a super heavyweight man and in, in music and <laughs> and my stories about sam cook otis redding uh curtis mayfield uh -huh. um i've told these on the podcast but these are like nostalgia records these are records that i listened to as a kid you know in, in in a tape deck and sometimes on vinyl at my aunt's house and my uncle's house um but these records when i put these on it's like my uncle who passed away he passed away maybe maybe 10 years ago um, but my uncle, I feel like he's sitting right here listening to him with mm -hmm. me, you know? So it's like, it's super nostalgic. <laughs> it's like, just like, I understand the music now as an adult, right? Like, especially Sam Cooke and Otis Redding, who most of their songs are love songs, right? So it's just like, it's, it just hits me right in the chest. And it's just like, yo, like, I get it. I get why my <laughs> uncle was like on this heavy, like, you know, uh -huh. like love is, love is crazy. So. Um, so yeah, and and you know the the weird correlation between the two records that I I just I just highlighted, Bud Powell, and 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 Sam Cooke is the tragic deaths that they had. Mm -hmm. um, Bud Powell had a tragic story, man. Like if you're not hip to Bud Powell's story, go check it out. I mean, he was on. I mean, Miles Davis said that he was literally a genius. His story is you know playing at a club one night, 
uh, a patron of the club, you know, they get into an altercation, he hits him in the head, changes his life. Like he, he never plays the same ever. And I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. Um, Spike Lee did it. It's called Mo Better Blues. It's similar. Uh, the story is kind of a similar path of that, um, where, you know, there's a trumpet player who gets hit in the mouth, damages his mouth really bad, never plays again. Um, and that's kind of a spoiler alert, I guess, because that happens at the end. But Bud Powell is kind of, I would imagine, some one of the inspirations for that for that film, um, because he that story where you know he's playing at a jazz club and gets hit over the head and he it changes his entire life where he can't play the same ever again. It's kind of a tragic story. I mean, he goes on to die. Uh, he's in and out of you know mental hospitals and stuff. Of course, um, really tragic. And of course, Sam Cooke. We all know the tragic fate that you know Sam Cooke met, and you know at the hands of you know uh, a weapon. Uh, there's a lot of conspiracy around that, of course, and I can get into that in another episode where we talk about you know the conspiracy theories that I have in my head. But um, but yeah, Sam Cooke is, is his his death was super tragic, and um, yeah yeah tough stuff. But moving on to my last one, my last, uh, my last recent grab, and this is Mad Lib. Had to grab this one, uh, Sound Ancestors. Man, this is such a great record. Cool. It's I, 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 again, this is another one. Just, this one in the Bud Pile I've had for a while. Uh, I haven't mentioned these on the show, Very and cool. so those are records that I had to mention. I had to give these shout outs. Uh, Mad Lib did a really amazing job. Uh, he did uh, the the arrangements done by Fortet, another producer, uh, beat maker, yeah. uh, musician. Um, but that record is def is definitely different for Mad Lib, but it's a lot more polished than I think uh, most Mad Lib fans would recognize from a Mad Lib project. So, but yeah, that's really it for that. Um, I really want to say a few things about um, about one of your recent grabs from last episode. Um, you talked a brief bit about uh, Fear of a Black Planet. Such a great record, such an important record um, in hip-hop music. And yeah, I mean, this record, I mean, I guess this can kind of be the topic of the show, but I mean, like, uh, such a heavy influence um, in the hip-hop genre. It goes on to kind of, in my opinion, create what is known as pop-conscious um, I know that, that may not be a genre necessarily, but, you know, I call it what it is. Um, it was so it, it goes into a few different areas of like really like amazing, like the amazing backstory for it. Right. So one, all of the singles for it. Let's talk about those. Uh, Welcome to the Terror Dome. Fight the power. <laughs> Brother's going to work it out. Like all of these are bangers. Right. All of these are like. Yeah like crazy great like what what do you have any favorites for that one ryan yeah i mean brother's gonna work it out Power to <laughs> people i mean fear of a black planet i mean everything is just um you know one of my things uh fight the power obviously uh but one of the yep. things that i was i guess i don't want to say hesitant about was like um you know when this would come in and I would listen to it, like, would it sound dated to me? Kind mm, of thing? Mm, so, mm -hmm. and that's a two part question. Um, if I'm being honest with you, there's some elements in the production and the way that it's mixed. Yeah. Super I'm like, Ooh, that sounds pretty dated. Yeah. But lyrically and message wise, yeah. not at all. Dated. Man, these not guys were dated. forward thinking. 
is it is it sad or is it prophetic i mean it could be sadly prophetic in sadly. that sure you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. it's a little bit of both yeah um but lyrically oh there's nothing dated at all like and the vinyl me please version i mean He's like he. It's like he's screaming right in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Are, are, are you aware? Are you aware of the controversy of uh, of that group and the anti-Semitism of Professor Griff and all that stuff? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Because yeah. yeah, that stuff it gets heavy, and like that group had to go through so much to kind of make the music that they wanted to make, and they they did. Uh, luckily, I think, and I think that has a lot to do with the genius of Chuck D. Him being a visionary and the leader of that group, uh, kind of saw whatever whatever it was that they needed to to do and whether that was removing professor griff from the group for a while or or reinstating him mm -hmm. in the group or whatever um they were able to to kind of to lead that charge one of the most profound things in my opinion is that a lot of black americans black, young black americans growing up in, in that in that decade in that time the the nation of islam and the the aura around them had kind of faded after malcolm right there was a there was a period of time where the nation was kind of regarded as just ex just an extremist group now it was groups like public enemy there were others too brand nubian is one of those groups but these groups went on to like carry that legacy of like being like no like we can't let this group be only considered a hate group or only considered you know uh, an extremist group because these guys are so important to the inner city life of black americans uh, and i think you saw that uh, so for public enemy they reintroduced a lot of people i would include myself in this um to like groups like the nation of islam and the five percenters and stuff like that so super important group for that regard too but um but yeah fight the power always makes me think about uh, i don't know if you or if you're familiar with uh with spike lee films um, oh yeah okay so you know about uh do the right thing <laughs> yeah okay so you know that intro that rosie perez intro yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what i think about when i think about that song oh, yeah. it's such a great song but like i don't I know mean, if that was at the time it was that movie that was the release single wasn't yeah, it? yeah 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 exactly yeah that was what they and i, I want to say that i mean i would have watched that i've watched that intro countless times i mean rosie perez was a fox in her day i mean she was <laughs> gorgeous and not saying that she's not gorgeous anymore she's you know she's older now but she's still a very beautiful woman she was the it girl uh, yeah. and spike lee put her in that movie and um and that movie was such an important movie just like that album such an important album that movie was such an important movie uh to black americans where um i don't know i think it, it I, I, I definitely think it did reintroduce the conversation of race and especially in inner cities, it was such a complex issue in cities like New York, Chicago, D.C. The, the race question, because we consider ourselves in these cities progressive, right? Um, but the, the question of like these segregated neighborhoods and, and you know, and these, these the, sep the, the how the income and classism ties into all this stuff. Um, those movies kind of help unpack uh, gentrification. It was a very important, very important movie and very important album. Uh, it was also very important because it introduced me to another person who I would go on to study and go on to to admire, and that was Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, who has a very um, interesting theory. Uh, uh, she's written um, numerous articles, but uh, her book, The ISIS Papers, 
um, is one of my favorite um, books to read because it kind of breaks down white supremacy in a weird way, a way that is not typically touched upon um, in the mainstream or even now as, you know, as progressive as we're getting now. It's not still touched on in this way. And it's the sexual element of white supremacy, mm. you know, the the fear. Uh, and that's ties into the, the, the album again. Right. The fear of a black planet. What does that fear of a black planet mean? It means the fear of annihilation for for a demographic of people, white people being the, the person that or the people that we're talking about. And so that does tie into a lot of, you know, the, the fear that goes into fearing black men, fearing black women, fearing black culture. Uh, and so super important, I think, to uh, to keep all that stuff in, in mind when you when you unpack that record, because it's, it, it ties it ties a pretty bow on a lot of social ills that unfortunately we're still addressing today. Um, but apart from that, I mean, I, I really appreciate that Vinyl Me Please decided to do uh, the revisit of this because it was super necessary. I think Public Enemy, along with a lot of other groups, I, I mentioned Brand Nubian, I mentioned a whole bunch of other groups, but like these groups are in fear of being super lost to like the time because we're such a forward looking people and that's not a shot at us, but we, we very seldom tend to look backward and study the history. And I think that's why historians are so important because we, we, we're always looking backward as, a, as opposed to looking forward. Looking forward is super necessary, uh, but you always have to have a group of people looking back to see, oh yeah, this is, we've already done this. We've already been there. We've already been here. And I think, um, you know, Vinyl Me Please doing this, it's a classic album. So, you know, no, it's no problem for them to do this. Uh, it's also archived in the Library of Congress, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, such a great album. Um, and it set the template for for all types of conscious records. And the conscious record that I'm thinking about right now is uh, is Black Star. Uh, that's yeah. Talib Kweli and, and most yeah. stuff. And, and that was like, I think that got to a level that not sale wise, but just just the influence of it got to a level that I think public enemy uh, is directly responsible for, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Ryan, I've talked mm -hmm. enough. What's up? <laughs> What'd you no, think? No, no, <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the vinyl me, please, you know, one of the questions you had brought up in the notes was like, what's the motivation? Like, what's the purpose? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, vinyl me, please. They're, they're a corporation. Mm -hmm. um, my guess is their board of investors are mostly white, mm -hmm. if not predominantly <laughs> probably, white. Probably. Um, they probably know, got the one actual, of us in there, a person of the, color. <laughs> the actual, I think the actual staff of Vinyl Me Please, I know in the past couple of years, it appears like they've really tried to actively um, hire more diverse candidates mm -hmm. in terms of their the people that write the liner notes, the people that are um, in the actual corporate structure, making some of the musical decisions. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think it's safe to say that like, first and foremost, this is coming from vinyl me, please as, as a revenue, as a revenue generator, mm. as a way mm. to increase subscriptions, as a way to kind of diversify quote unquote, the people, you know, I think that was a big part of them opening up their hip hop subscription. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just kind of being. That's I, I don't mean to take such a, you know, like I want to believe that they're doing this because they believe in the power of the lyrics and in the music. 
Um, <laughs> that's a really good point. No, Ryan, that's a really good point, brother. Uh, and, um, and I but, like, it. you know, I'm for, but you know, I guess the side benefit is this is an album and this is music that truly you want as many people to be listening to and yeah. you want as many people to have a copy into it. No. So whatever their really, whatever their main intent or motivation is the end product, they created a fantastic product of a like crucial piece of art and yeah, of music super crucial um that is still that's still super relevant and super important to be in everyone's library or and in, in understanding yeah um so i'm definitely appreciative of that no um for sure no yeah yeah and, but I, I that that just raises all your perspective i didn't know that about you so i'm going to say something that may I think you may agree with or or not agree with, but you may have some answers for what do you think is why is conscious black music? Why? And you can't answer this question because you're 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 one of us. You're you're <laughs> you're you're a person of color. Uh, but why is why is conscious music such a draw for the white audience? I've always wondered this question. Uh, I will have a white person on to talk about this with us, of course, in the future. But what what do you think is the the reason why conscious music sells so heavy in in white communities? Yeah, um, you know, um, just through my own work experience as a music educator, um, a big unit of study for the kids that I teach mm -hmm. is blues music. Mm, gotcha. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. When you start looking at blues materials to like share with students, mm -hmm. um, it's mostly written by white men, mm. <laughs> um, and it's mostly um, the educational materials that are, are readily available are like they're curated and archived by mostly white men, mm. and they're presented in a certain way where you can tell they have a a love and an appreciation for the music. Mm -hmm. But there's always this disconnect that they're the ones curating that music, mm. I guess, um, which kind of ties into kind of what you're saying. I really don't have a clear answer. For it. No, and um, I asked that question sort of rhetorically because yeah, I mean, and you, I mean, can, and, yeah. and from a from a hip hop perspective, I mean, I think this data point. But I remember growing up, it was very well known that like predominantly hip hop and rap was consumed by white suburban. Yeah, white suburban kids yeah we all heard yeah, that before yeah and it's like yeah, and, and it started and I with nwa still, i think that's still active and relevant even. super super when you um, look out and one of the biggest things that I, and i'm sorry to cut you off ryan but one of the biggest gripes that i've always had um with with conscious hip-hop i went to a j electronica concert um back in 20s it was a long time ago it was like 2014 20, yeah it was like 2014 um and rhapsody who is this amazing conscious female mc um she's just an amazing female mc not i don't, I don't even want to put her in a conscious bubble but she's a conscious rapper she was opening for jay electronica who opened for common all of these guys are conscious hip-hop artists right and i looked around at who was in the audience with me <laughs> and, and my girlfriend at the time and it was all white people and it was yeah. like it was a sea of white people and i'm just like yo we're in we're in chocolate city first of all we well we were in silver spring we went up to uh the fillmore to see him 
but here we are at in one of the most one of the most heaviest black blackly black populated areas and we're surrounded um at this conscious concert <laughs> and and i hate to keep calling it that because that kind of makes it cliche and weird like conscious con like it, okay it's just, let's just say it's, it was this black show it was a black music <laughs> show and, you know and we were we were just surround, surrounded by uh surrounded by white people and and i remember thinking at that time you know uh a lot of artists addressed this in their music talking about you know they they make this music for black folk and black folk don't really buy it they you know they they're essentially buying what is fed to them or what is given to them um, by mainstream, the mainstream media or whatever. And that's a different argument. I don't want to get into that, but I do want to get into the fact of like, again, like what is the, what is the big draw for conscious music for white people? Because this is some of the most radical music. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, uh, uh, the messages and the lyrics of what the artist is saying not saying that they hate white people because i don't think any of the artists hate uh, conscious black being conscious and black isn't about hating anybody essentially it's about loving your, loving yourself but why is loving yourself such an appeal for a people who have traditionally oppressed you mm -hmm. it's always been my question it's one of the big pillars of like why i created the show is to kind of see if i could not answer that question but just like get some different perspectives on that question uh, because then you get into the, the the fact of like the engineers and right like the the producers right like the producers like you said like there's a lot of money to be made there's there's marketing pieces to this puzzle and so is this just a to kind of summarize it Gil Scott Gil Scott Heron said it you know the revolution will not be televised but has the revolution been sold is what I, mm -hmm. my question has always been has it been sold to pepsi cola and you know and, and and mcdonald's and whoever else because it's big business essentially or at least mm -hmm. it's business it's a part of business and i don't know i don't know what the answer to that is i mean i i, I mull it over so much that it, it gets tiresome to me uh so I, I always welcome like new perspectives on that but it's just yeah. such a um, weird thing you know you're just you just kind of sparked when i'm looking at like the quote-unquote audiophile community which is predominantly older white male mm -hmm. um they uh that that demographic of the audiophile community typically stays away from that yeah kind of music yeah yeah they do i remember <laughs> even online um you could like you could see this divide when vmp announced public enemy um for one of their rotms like there was definitely a group like me that's like yeah awesome mm -hmm. but there was definitely another group that was like like so silent about it where you, you could tell you would have where you could tell internally they're like why are they releasing that but they just they held it inside of themselves you know you know what yeah, i'm saying yeah yeah and yeah they, they they had they practiced good restraint they were like <laughs> Okay, yeah, we're we're just not gonna say anything. It's like yeah. you know when when you know uh, when the announcements are done for you know whatever new artist is releasing and you know and, and maybe they're on a major label, maybe they're on an indie label, but like it's like you you see the fans, yay and hurrahing, and then you see those who are like not haters. I don't want to say haters necessarily, but those who aren't fans, they're like you know crickets and so <laughs> that's interesting yeah. that that happens in the audiophile community as well um i, I um, just think the only, no go ahead 
Yeah, the only thing I could possibly add to that question, because I'm not remotely anywhere near the level of expertise to answer such a nuanced and deeply layered you, question. You give me so much credit, Ryan. But, I appreciate you know, it. One, at least as an educator, one thing that I do see is that younger people, mm -hmm. regardless of their, their, their background or ethnic identification, typically seem to be more open-minded I was going to say and that, willing yeah. to accept yeah. whether it be more like progressive mm -hmm. or revolutionary based consciously connected music mm -hmm. um and i think i think history kind of backs that up no whether yeah. it be through the various movements through the 60s, 60s and the yeah, 70s. i was gonna say yeah yeah you had um, the white folks going up to harlem yes. to listen to you know yeah. the jazz yeah 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 that, that that's even a big like, part you know, when, you know, blues music, you know, from the South and as it migrated mm -hmm. to the North and really like, you know, we talk about like the great migration from the South to places like Chicago mm -hmm. uh, of, of black folk um, in the early 1900s. Um, even that, that blues movement was mostly endorsed and consumed by a younger generation of black Americans true because older black Americans that were still tied to Southern church mm -hmm. gospel. Yeah. Religiously yeah, conservative yeah. ideals. Land, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of them considered blues to be devil music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was just, whether you were black or white, if you were like of an older generation, typically I, you know, there was, there's some, there's a lot of evidence to support that they weren't really into the whole blues thing either. Yeah. It was really younger, like um, younger employed adults needing some kind of escape from a hard day of work in the city, going to, you know, what they would call the juke joint yeah, yeah. or the, the bar <laughs> or the club yeah. and just kind of like release their stress through music. And, you know, and there, there are claims by artists that would totally back exactly what you just laid out i mean i think chuck has mentioned in interviews himself that you know this music isn't exclusively revolutionary for black folk this is about all folk this is about poor this is about you know uh, minorities and and poor whites and whatever like this is this is an inclusive and hip-hop is definitely a symbol of that where it's super inclusive of all who wish to take a part of the culture um i think though there's no exception to that rule and so i think with that I, you have to kind of just give it up to to whoever wants to come into the house of hip-hop um, you've always had that element of you know of rebelliousness um that has parade in in the music in black music especially they have and, and white folks have always been magnetized by that, I think. And that's not a bad thing. That's not me saying that, you know, white folks shouldn't listen to Talib Kweli because, you know, he's conscious. <laughs> no, it's not at all what I'm saying. I'm, you know, these artists, they need support, whether it be white or black. I think the the perspective is one that we we ought to all appreciate. So if if, you know, if white folk are appreciating it and it seems like white folk are appreciating appreciating the art more than black folk. That's just a perception. That's not really what it is because I like Rhapsody. There are a whole yeah. bunch of my black friends who like Rhapsody. There's a whole bunch of my black friends who like Public Enemy and like, you know, and Black Star. So it's not like it's not like there are no um, 
there are no exceptions or there, there are no black people listening to this music. I think the representation piece, I think for a lot of in the conscious community, we see that and we say, is this white folks trying to take over or be dominant in our music as they've done in the past with so many different genres? Appropriation where, is a real concern. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, where it's just, you know, where it's just like, hey, like, and, and not to, again, not to pull anything from what I just said, but like, hey, this is our music. This is, we're, we're making this music for us. But like, why is it that you got to be the main fan? Why is it that you're, you're the poster child for this artist who is talking about black issues or talking about heavy social issues? You are the poster child for this artist, um, for the fan base of this artist. It's something that has to be addressed for sure. Um, but it is something that I think at the same point, like, hey, artists need money. So I think it goes back to that that OG point <laughs> that you made is <laughs> at the end of the day, it's all about financing. Like if you can if you're marketing, if you can market a revolution to middle class white folk in suburbia, do it. <laughs> do it if you, if you can do it successfully. Yeah. And I yeah. mean, I think, you know, you know, my final point that I could provide is clearly there is a power and magnetism yeah. to music rooted in black culture mm -hmm. that appears to be very encompassing. Yeah. I mean, we've just seen that starting with blues music, right? Yeah. And just seeing how that blues revival um, through, you know, even through the 60s and through the 70s and and I would say even still kind of there's remnants and it continues like in Chicago, Chicago has still a pretty rich blue scene. Yeah, yeah. As you can imagine, just yeah. being the city of Chicago and historically what this has meant from that. Um, and I think I, I think there's just a certain just like you had you had used that word actually. Um, and that kind of sparked me like I think magnetism is mm -hmm. is a really great word to describe. It is, man. We're magnetic. This, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, to tie into what you kind of said, I think an artist shouldn't be at fault for being able to tap into that magnetism. Not at all. Of their music. Yeah. And if that draws in um, non-black consumers into that orbit, right. I, 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 as long as it never borders on outright like appropriation yeah. and stealing and theft, which there are cases of that that obviously take place. Big time, um, big time. I think once it, you know, as long as it kind of stays in that window, mm -hmm. like I'm all for the artist. Like Kendrick Lamar is a good example because go for it. I, I, I look at these Kendrick videos and like, and like at concerts, and like you said, like there's there's a lot of white folk. A lot, Kendrick of Lamar. White folk. <laughs> a lot of white folk at Kendrick Lamar concerts. <laughs> like I love Kendrick, but like his lyrics, his lyrics super crazy. Are, when you when you break them down, it's like hold on, like do, do y'all hear what this guy's saying? Like yeah, so so yeah, I, and and that's all I mean by that is like you you if you listen to. If you listen to a Kendrick and him breaking down, I was listening to Pimp a Butterfly. Mm -hmm. uh, I was listening to that record uh, recently. I think I was mm -hmm. it was last week. I was listening to that, and some of the theories and and some of the yeah. philosophers that he's citing in his music. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, are people going and, and and looking at these sources like where he's talking about oh. breaking down the word 
migas, right? Like miga, mm -hmm. right? Like this is a word that has a lot of inflammatory around it, right? Like, but this is a word that we have now understood thanks to certain philosophers and, and, and people who study this stuff, archaeologists and, and historians, et cetera, et cetera. It has a it has a weird double meaning to it, right? And when we hear stuff like this, I mean, are we hearing it for what it is or are people going back and, and actually trying to understand um, what is it he's talking about? Or are people just taking it at face value and moving forward? That's always been my problem. Um, is I want people to kind of be as curious as I am. And so yeah. when you hear something like that, you go back and you're like, hold on, what is he talking about? Like, and yeah. you, you dig I would through, say, <laughs> you're like, I need, to, I need to figure this out. <laughs> and this is just from the perspective as an educator that teaches 12, 13, 14 year olds. And they're like a primary demographic that mm -hmm. can, that consume this music. My gut tells me that they're mostly taking it on face, face, value. face value. And just like, they like the beat. Yeah. They like his flow. They like his personality, his charisma. He's a yeah. very magnetic person. Super very magnetic. I, I would like to meet and, that guy. He's awesome. Like the musical production. So I think for most consumers, they're really just, which is kind of sad because his music is so deep and so nuanced and yeah. so layered. Yeah. <laughs> but I would imagine the majority of his, the majority of the consumers mostly take it at face value. Yeah. Um, Side of a, maybe a, a minority of diehard Kendrick, Kendrick fans, fans yeah. that yeah. have that curiosity to really take, to really try to unpack everything that he's presenting to you. And, and I and I get it. It's a lot to unpack, and we live in a society that. And, I hate to get on this because um, my ex used to always tell me that you know like I, I get too preachy or whatever. But I'm not I'm not I'm not pointing fingers. But I'm saying like as a society, we're trained to be super one-dimensional like we're trained that way like it, it had we we're trained to look this way like whatever way it's it's spoken to for us to look like our news now tells us how to feel and think about whatever whatever the topic may be it's not just news anymore it's just it's it's opinions filtered through news right and so i get that like and so uh, saying all that i mean our our music our entertainment is the same way essentially it's it's really about how can you paint how can you paint a picture that allows people to see the the the, the many nuances um, but also still have um, some type of collective thought around it right like that that's my thing is like just like there has to be some middle ground there because it's not about controlling how people see things it's really about allowing that interpretation to flourish and, and be whatever it, whatever it wants to be um, but appreciating the art for what it is uh, Kendrick Lamar is a great example. Uh, so many of his albums have been super, like I said, layered. Um, I, I, I always go back to an underground giant that I like, and he kind of, you know, led the way for me into exploring all types of different other music, and that's MF Doom. Mm -hmm. um, his ability to paint pictures and kind of like uh, lay out certain things and just kind of hide. Uh, certain messages in and 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 for those who are curious you're gonna pick those apart and be like Yo, what what did he mean by this like he he said this in this line like let me go and try to like unpack or 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 figure out what exactly maybe was in his head in in, in that moment and of course the artist's interpretation is always going to remain sacred you're not going to really figure it out unless he does an interview about it which nowadays has become popular to kind of um 
unpack what it is they're actually saying but that's that's the beauty of music in my opinion is this like having that that secrecy that that secret that's held with the artist forever um having those people having everyone guess it like what what they meant by this and and, and mm-hmm. how they meant to deliver this and and all that good stuff it's a beautiful thing man that's why i'm in love with music so much it's just such a beautiful <laughs> art form um and in a mode of communication that like it's just like it's it's miles ahead of anything else i think oh, yeah in my opinion but you know <laughs> whatever so with that said though ryan man are you <laughs> that was a great discussion bro um are you in are you into any pre-orders that are coming up are you excited about yeah. any any records um, dropping soon yeah so i'm actually um so th- in the notes uh uh speaking of vinyl me please mm-hmm. they've got two things coming up uh the meters yeah, you uh, said an that, album yeah. called rejuvenation it's like funky it's like funky groovy weird disco it's sounds like, like, like right. i'm gonna be checking it out <laughs> <laughs> so that was awesome and then um they've also got uh i'm a huge fan of roberta flack oh dc uh, so native they, okay yeah, cool cool got, awesome. uh, her, um an album uh quiet fire okay uh, by roberta flack which i'm i am sure it's going to be absolute fire yeah yeah so that's through vinyl me please as well under their classics track and then um uh, I, I may have mentioned before but like one of the bands, if I could pick one band that in addition to them being my absolute favorite, mm-hmm. but also like where this was the band that, because they had such an amazing job of like painting that visual and lyrical picture that was like very mysterious and like deep and mm-hmm. like layered. And like, even to this day, I'm still trying to unpack songs because I still don't quite know what they mean. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be uh, the band Radiohead oh um, sweet yeah classic radiohead yeah they were the they were the group in high school and college yeah yeah they were that i really fell in love with because they sparked like a curiosity and imagination curiosity. Of, what, of what music could potentially be and sound like yeah um yeah. bro jeez, so, yeah that's heavy i, I just want to say yeah that from the same for me in college they played a huge role for me uh, Radiohead and Modest Mouse, I would have to yeah. say, both of those yeah. together um, yeah. in the rock genre plays such a yeah. big role in like expanding my palette. I would say that's yeah. the only way For I sure. can put it. Yeah. So um, their album Kid A, which mm-hmm. I think this is the twentieth anniversary yep. Yep, yep. of when it was originally released. So um, Radiohead, uh, Radiohead licensed and sponsored through their label. Um, they're doing a twentieth anniversary like reissue nice which um i did do that pre-order it should come out um it should be mailed out november um but there was like different tiers and i had to go for the top tier uh (laughs) so the top tier comes like this like leather bound book and like (laughs) crazy packaging go big or go home right (laughs) new half speed cut mastering and yeah i i went big on it, I went big on that, it. you said you like that so i I, yeah, I, I expect nothing less and and you gotta tell I was us like you know on amazon they had the normal kind of black vinyl like yeah. reissue and then like that was like the basic tier like that they were offering mm-hmm. but then i'm like i'm looking at this, this upper tier oh i've seen all the tchotchkes and i've seen all the 
the accoutrements <laughs> that they're offering with it. Oh, you I had to do it. Myself. You had to do it. No, and even and... though I know in reality, like in terms of sound, like it's the same mastering. It's basically the same pressing. Like the actual sound itself is going to be the same, mm -hmm. regardless of what package you get at this reissue. It's just all but the goodies. I need those goodies. I need hey, those extras. Man. Hey, I get it. And and the same is. The same is said for so many artists. For me, I'm I'm the same. Sometimes, if I got the extra, if I got the extra dough, man, I'm gonna, yeah, like let's. Why not? Why not? Why not splurge on on getting uh yeah. getting some extra information, some liner <laughs> notes, some whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I completely agree. Uh, I think uh, I did that with the fiftieth, or maybe it was the twentieth. I can't recall. I can go gr grab it, but it was a uh, birth of the cool that I did that with. So yeah, it's like. I just went all out for that one. It wasn't too much though, but still, you know, you got to You got to do that sometimes, you know, for sure. Um, were you able to check out the, uh, the getting tech fact that uh, I, I sent over to you? Did you see that? The, yeah. I, first I of all, did you see all the pictures of yeah, all of the, the, the first <laughs> off, the website that, um, this guy sent me it. wishing, wishing goat yeah wishing yeah. oat wishing goat i'm not sure if he's doing wishing goat or wishing oat or if he's just combining the g's and this is so that should already tell you where i'm headed <laughs> and this is a vinyl crackle remover it's like 12 god knows what chemicals are in this thing and this thing this website looks like a bad infomercial. It's guys, trash. Yeah, it's trash. What is up with this girl crying on the floor? Did you <laughs> repair with love? No. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's oh she has the goodness. Crosley, right? She has. The, she yeah, has the Crosley. Of course. Of course, they have the girl crying. They've got the guy looking down on her, all masochistic about it with the yeah, record. Yeah. What? This <laughs> is the worst website I have ever seen. Um, and all I will say is vinyl you... is a very vinyl is a very durable substance. Okay. Vinyl as a medium <laughs> is more durable than CDs. Yeah. Because if you have looked like I had a box of CDs oh, that was just in my basement and I pulled it out and half of those rotted. Yeah. And people don't people don't remember how easy it was to scratch those CDs. You had to be super careful. You had yeah. to make sure that that little hole was in your finger because if you got a little scratch, it could skip yep. a random song oh, that yeah. you did, you weren't even prepared for. And so you know, with, with vinyl, like as a medium, even if you get a little scratch or a pop or a tick, it's it's still musical. Yep, it's still not musical. like a CD that has a scratch on it. It creates like the most. The yeah. most ear grating distortion Ooh, you've the worst, ever heard. The worst. Yes. Yeah. So, so like vinyl as a medium in and of itself, you don't need too many tchotchkes, especially from that website, <laughs> um, to try to listen to it. But if you're going to be spraying some stuff on your records, you need to be mindful of like spraying. what the chemical composition because <laughs> did vinyl, you read the vinyl, it, vinyl is like it's vinyl chloride it's a plastic yeah. there is the possibility of like a, a bad chemical reaction yeah. to yeah. whatever chemicals you're you're trying to throw on it, it can definitely so happen you have to be mindful of that so, i've had that happen uh, in yeah. some of my experiments so i can definitely attest to that did you read the the some of the some of the reviews they they had that uh 
they had the the reviews. I didn't even get that, that far, man. Yeah, it, the reviews were saying some of the some of the craziest ravings for this oh, product that was just like I don't I don't know if you guys understand, but I definitely sent that to you as a little laugh, as a little chuckle. So I'm glad you got the, the chuckle out of it and gave us some of your honest feedback. Um, but yeah, I I would definitely say as ryan has so beautifully said uh don't don't be out there putting everything on your vinyl at all Um, yeah what i would say is if you want a recommendation for like if you want to get more into like the diy side of like vinyl cleaning solutions um the library of congress website because they're the archival masters of so much original vinyl Mm -hmm. like like they have one of the largest vinyl collections yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> like um there's a part on their website that does have like a vinyl care kind of like fact frequently mm-hmm. asked question type thing and they actually opt like they say like this is like health you know um so for anyone that's curious like that's going to be a much more reputable source than wishinggoat.com <laughs> oh yeah wishing goat if you're listening um we're not gonna we're not gonna get sponsored yeah that's not gonna fly this is a wishing goat i would love to have you sponsor the podcast don't (laughs) listen to this guy right and i don't know what he's talking about (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) when i saw the price i was like yeah this is some trash like i already knew i was like the price twelve dollars like come on now like that's too good that's one of those too good to be true in vinyl one of the one of the first lessons i think you learn is that if it's true if it's too good to be true it usually is mm. with the price meaning yep. that like again it's it's not a cheap hobby and i'm not saying that to discourage people i'm saying that to encourage people it's a hobby where if you're in this hobby you can definitely get some great stuff for cheap but it takes knowing what you're doing right like mm-hmm. knowing what what's going on knowing the environment knowing knowing the community and and communicating with that community um, so I would I would definitely say that like if it's a product or a record uh, and Ryan's talked about this with reissues, we've both fallen for it. If they're you know reissues that seem too good to be true, like you you're about to get a a, a Love Supreme record for twelve dollars for <laughs> somewhere, like just yeah just take a just do a double take first of all like you know do a little homework see if it's a gray yeah. market see if see if this product actually works first of all um it's a lot of things you can do it's a very um it's a very communicating community and even just as as we were talking um i went online and just in google Mm -hmm. i just typed library of congress vinyl cleaning and it takes you directly to the loc.gov preservation website and it has this beautiful curated page on the care handling and storage of audiovisual materials. Sweet. And you know that the pe- the person that did this is is probably one of the main legit, yeah, privates that actually works at the Library of Congress. Yep. So this person is handling hundreds and thousands of like very valuable archival like materials, yeah, such as vinyl records. And the website is just awesome. This is how you should store them. This is how you should, um, you know, touch them or not touch them. Lots this of great. Package them. Here, here's how you should, you know, clean them. Or our recommendations for what we do to clean. Um, and they have some really nice recommendations. They have a whole list 
of quoted references if you want to research more. Um, awesome. So you have you have two options, uh, everyone out there, listeners. You can you could listen to wishandgoat.com. <laughs> all right. Or you can listen to the Library of Congress. I'm going to go with. Where are you going to go with? Yeah. Where are you going to go with? Library of Congress. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with Wishing Goat, man. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not going with them. Uh, no, that's a, that's a great that's a great suggestion. Um, I'm going to change channels really quick before we head out here, Ryan. Um, as always, man, it's been a real pleasure chatting mm -hmm. it up with you. Um, I think we covered a lot of great stuff. Uh, I'm going to introduce a new segment, and it's called um my new or not nah, okay i'm gonna figure out the name for the for the new segment but essentially it's gonna be highlighting a record store that i bought records from yes uh, wherever it's from and oh, it's gonna awesome. be doing it with the sticker or some type of yeah. insignia so kind of encouraging people yeah. who, who sell records online to to include yeah. stickers because i love these yeah. things today's sticker Sticker of the month, sticker of the Ooh. week is from. Look at that! It's a, it's a little. That's cool. Yeah, man. yeah. It's like a little uh, blue Omega note. Music. Yeah. Dayton, Ohio. Yep. You got a nice little thirty-three and a third record label. Yeah, man. It's a I'm, sticker. I, yeah, I'm looking for something to put it on. Uh, oh, I, cool. I was actually looking through my Discogs account today, trying to figure out where what I bought from them. <laughs> but I know I bought some fire from them. Uh, I can't recall because I, I buy a lot of stuff, but. Uh, whatever I bought from them, uh, shout outs to you guys, Omega Music, uh, for uh, the beautiful sticker that I can't wait to put somewhere on a laptop or. All right. Uh, well, you're going to give, give me give me a second. Oh, yeah, no, uh, go for it. I've got like a stack of them. Like, yeah, I, I got a stack, too. Yeah, this I just pulled this one off. So go for it. Number one, that that is that's a I love this. Sticker. I love this sticker, right? Um, like, it's such a great sticker. So, you know what? Oh, you'll like this. Look at this. This is a um, nice jerk, jerk awesome. dog records. Awesome. Um, the wife and I, uh, a couple months back, um, we visited our, uh, where was it? We were on the southwestern coast of Florida. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, you told me that about for your yeah, anniversary, we were right? There. And this was literally just like we were off kind of like on a little peninsula island off the coast. Awesome. And then as we were driving back inland, mainland, um, we stopped off at a record store, um, and they were awesome. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was right after RSD, and they still had tons of like little, um, they still had tons of like RSD leftovers for like really super reasonable prices. Sweet. Um, I gotta represent too. This is the uh, um, Shane over at Intervention Records. Nice, nice. Shane, send me <laughs> one of those stickers, man. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I, I want to buy oh, some records you. from you first because <laughs> he. he Includes one in every order, so listen. Knowing that's how no one knowing how much I got from him. That's sure. my favorite part. I'm telling you, uh, Vinyl Me Please does it with every one of their monthly yeah. subscriptions, which is awesome. But listen, record stores who mainly sell, whether it be Discogs or or if they're brick and mortar, include those stickers, man. Yeah, I they're cool. I I think that's I the. Yeah, I keep them too. They're right on top of my speaker right now. A stack of them. I'll be highlighting them throughout the rest of our shows. I'll, I'll make that a segment. I gotta find a good name for it though, like like the sticker segment. I don't know, like sticker segment or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I love stickers. So like when I, one of the first things I do, and I'm I'm kind of this is kind of corny of me to to kind of like talk about live on you know on on air or whatever. 
But one of the things that I like to do right after I get the record out of the out of this out of the uh, packaging is I'll shake the record just to make sure. And typically what happens is, you know, I only get the packing slip out. But like sometimes, sometimes when I shake the I get that media mail packaging and I shake that thing out, a sticker falls out. I'm like, yes, a sticker. I got it. And I'm just like, I'm so happy about it. I don't because I, I, I got too many stickers on my laptop already. So I'm trying to find a new place to put all these stickers. Um, but every time so I got a stack of them. Maybe if you have a water bottle. The water bottle. Yeah, water bottles. Yeah, maybe this little little thing here. Maybe I could start putting them on here, maybe. But um it's one of it's one of my favorite things about buying records online is is the potential of getting those stickers. So if you're if you're listening out there and you you run a record store online, record motor, and you do a lot of mailing, include those stickers. I love them. Definitely. I love them. Oh, that's great. Brian, anything else you want to talk about, man, before we get we we get going here on this Friday night. No, what you man, got planned, man? Is... You going to a party? Something? Oh geez, no, no. My partying days are long gone. Mine too. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the daughter is still finishing up the fall part of her softball her softball season. So awesome. I want to say she's got she's got five games this weekend. Jeez. Yeah. So we have three tomorrow. So um, you know we'll get at the we'll get to the softball field like seven thirty. Uh huh. And then I think after the third game will be done by maybe three or three thirty, so it's 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 like an eight hour. It's like an, it's Dang, an eight man. hour. Game. It's an that's eight crazy, hour. man. So that's, there's but that. That's baseball too, or softball. That's that's yeah, that exactly. sport, like the double headers, so, triple headers. But yeah. fortunately, um, we've got a family conflict, so she won't be playing her the double header on Sunday. Okay. Because we 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 got uh, family pictures scheduled. So um, where we live, um, there's like a little lake area, mm-hmm. and then we uh, we have like a family photographer that comes out and takes like family pictures every year. And we dress up and we do the poses and we do that whole awesome. rigmarole. Um, so we got that on Sunday afternoon, and then um, uh, I've talked about them before too. Uh, I've got a local kind of um, hi-fi audiophile buddy. Um, and we have a lot of similar music interests. Um, and we have a lot of just like similar interests in terms of like, like we both like bourbon, we both like scotch and nice, nice. have like that same kind of like taste profile, Yeah, yeah. like in art and music and in food. Um, but he invited, um, me and another buddy over on Sunday, just kind of hang and hang and drink and chill for so um so saturday is going to be all softball um and sunday will be some just family stuff and just trying to do some friend time well dude i think that's beautiful um and i really admire uh your your home life your family life it seems like you're you're an amazing father and um appreciate yeah great family man i love that stuff uh, it, it definitely fights the contrast for co-hosts and, and host, uh, co-hosts of shows, right? Like, I'm like this single guy, like, you know, that collects records. Literally antisocial, like the definition of antisocial. I sit in my house and listen to my records all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, you're the family man who, you know, oh, yeah. is out and about, yeah. which is awesome. So, I, Which I, is I, like, like the family stuff is what really gets me out of the house. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I'm, I think, you know, I fall within the typical vinyl demographic nerd camp let's talk about that really quick uh, before we head out no because i've always kind of felt weird about this because the community seems super 
it's it's so many it's so many different types now with this resurgent right like with, with this resurgence I, I think there are many more types than there used to be i think vinyl used to be just it was pop culture right so like you had your party people you had the people that listen to it by themselves you had people who you know had people over and drinks and the, you know the lounge the listening parties and stuff like that and and you had all these different types of factions I think what vinyl was reduced to when it kind of faded away, it became kind of this thing where like it, it was like the lonely man syndrome, right? Yeah. It was like it was like oh, fringe. Yeah, yeah. So it was like culture. this, you know, this this these kids or, or these middle aged men who you know who don't have a life essentially. Like all they do is like just sit around and listen to their records. And I fit that profile so much. <laughs> like I, it is like sad because I think that's now kind of passe because like now with everything in full swing it's kind of come back to like oh this is stuff for parties this is stuff for showing off and i definitely have listening parties and stuff here with my friends and stuff but most of the time it's just me here with my i, I i'm a cognac guy by the way uh yeah. so, so i have a different profile than you uh -huh, guys yeah. typically but um but yeah i'm here with my cognac and i'm like you know sipping yeah. on it and you know enjoying some good music, yeah. music man yeah. that's it for sure for sure yeah no i mean um you know, the, the family kind of gets me out. I love it. And about and socializing. But I know inherently, I'm definitely, I definitely lean towards being in my own space and kind yeah. of enjoying that aspect, whether it be music listening mm -hmm. or kind of like, you know, wine or spirits or, you know, good food. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I like to enjoy those things. I lean towards enjoying those things in my own independent space because mm -hmm. I like to like kind of take it all in and I, I like to, I'm curious about it and I like to explore it and I like to, you know, reflect on it and I'm a thinker and I'm kind of like a, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm kind of, I kind of have that analytical, you know, very deep thinking mindset on those things, which aren't very socially friendly things yeah yeah unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately and it, it's sad like it goes back to my societal thing like right like it's just like we've yeah. we've been i think we've been socially trained to yeah. kind of be um one-dimensional so much yeah. but for me yeah it's it's much the same the peace and the thinking and, and getting stuff you know kind of figured out being analytical about the music that i'm listening to being intentional about what I'm listening to, yeah. whether that be music or even yeah. a good film that I like to watch, which, uh -huh. you know, I watch the same five films all the time anyway, like you know, Casablanca, Dr. Zhivago, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> so, you know, like, I, I, but I like to be intentional about that. I like to be yeah. there present with my, with my stuff, but yeah. So the buddy that, um, I'm heading, I'm coming, I'm going over his place on Sunday. Mm -hmm. He has a very similar kind of philosophy and mindset. So it's like we can be Together. with each other yeah, and socialize yeah, yeah, yeah. each other, but we we're comfortable being our like our normal selves. Yeah, yeah. If that kind of makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. So it's like <laughs> it's like you guys are in your own space, but together. Yes. Essentially, yeah, yeah. I I I, I yeah. don't have a friend like that yet. Uh, I'm looking. I'm recruiting. So DC, if you're out there, <laughs> if you're out there, if you, <laughs> you don't mind shutting up and listening to, to some great music, um, and you know, being being in the same space but not in in you know, in each other's space, hit me up. You know, the record spinner podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, Rebirth of the cool is the Instagram. Uh, Ryan, what do you have um, on your email? 
for your email? Yeah, so email is always great. RyanClaren at gmail.com. Uh, um, on Instagram, uh, RyanClarenTones. Um, you can um, find me there and follow me uh, through there and all my my vinyl pursuits and all that kind of jazz. Um, and yeah, those are the two uh, main ways. Uh, I do have a Twitter, but I really don't interact. Yeah, I like, use... I use uh, my Twitter is really like one way... Um, I consume info. Yeah, I was about like, to say I use my. I get a lot of like my. Way. I get a lot of like my news updates and just yeah. like what's happening in the world of news and in sports and in pop culture. Um, I consume that a lot just through my Twitter feed, um, but I don't really interact with anyone. So yeah. it's either email or Insta. Yeah, my my Twitter feed is literally just for conspiracy theorists. So like, don't don't come over there if you're not about that life. <laughs> I only go over there to be like, hey, like what what is going on with the with the lizard people or you know whatever. Like you know that's all I use it for. Um, but yeah, I mean this was a great show, Ryan. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you as always. Of course, um, same. Yeah, we're we're gonna. I I have a we have a whole bunch of good stuff planned plan for the listeners out there we have some some interviews that we're going to do together uh with some of uh some of our favorite people we've been talking about that over the last few weeks um so i'm super excited i'm reaching out to some people it's gonna be a great uh, we're gonna put together some great shows so i'm really excited so uh ryan um always great to have you um, you're a super integral part of the show. Uh, I hope I didn't scare you off with any of my antics today. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, all. yeah, I consider it a success. And, um, and yeah, we'll catch you guys next time on the Record Spinner Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, take care, everybody. Peace. <laughs>